Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They have been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for their creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. Today we're going to actually talk to the publisher and writer, John Goodwin, who is in charge of our sponsor, Writers and Illustrators of the Future. Uh, Welcome, John. Hi, Sherry. Great to be back on your show. Oh, it's great to have you back. It's been a while, huh? It has been a while, so I'm I'm very anxious to have this uh, opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, um, I know you have the awards coming up. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have um, any new artists that you're really excited about? Well, we do. We have um, well, we have our two new art judges. First of all, that just came on board this past year for the uh, contest that um, we're very excited about because it's it just as it continues to grow the um, um, the, the contests are they're able to reach more and more people we have um, Dan Dos Santos and Craig Elliott and Dan Dos Santos is he's done a lot of covers and um, a lot of uh, art for accounts like Disney Universal uh, Boeing Activision in the covers, like I said, with Penguin, Random House, and Scholastic. So he's been, he's like, we met him at Dragon Con uh, this past year, and we asked him about the con, and he said, of course he knew about it. And when we mentioned him becoming a judge, he said, you know, with no hesitation at all, he wanted to do that because he knew the, the value of the contest. And then Craig Elliott was one of our guest teachers last year at the workshop, and he's very much involved in uh, studios, in the, um, in the movie studios and, and creating uh, art, animated art with um, Disney and DreamWorks. He was very much involved with Hercules, Mulan, The Emperor's New Groove, Treasure Planet, Shark Tale, Flushed Away, the B-Movie, Enchanted, uh, Monsters vs. Aliens. And so he's, he's a great asset to be able to hit that different area because one thing that's happening with, with our, our contest is that we have entries now from all over the world, and it's um, we have our first two winners right now, one from Iran and one from Turkey, which we've never had before. So it just it adds more to the to the glamour of of being able to win the contest because of all the competition that you've got. We have an illustrator winner from uh, Vietnam, so it's it's been a very um, rapid expanding uh, contest for the illustrator contest. In the writer contest, we've got winners from UK and from Australia, as well as from the United States this year. So, it's um, we're we're excited about that. So, by having these two new judges, it just helps increase our reach for um, the artists, and to be able to provide that platform for aspiring artists to get themselves out there and get themselves known. Cool. Oh, I wanted to first. Thank you publicly for supporting Chatting with Sherry. Um, it's, it helps so much, and, and it's I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, it's, and thank you very much, because yours is such an important platform. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of aspiring writers and artists that, uh, that follow you uh, globally, not just around here in, in Southern California. So I think it's important to, uh, to keep your voice loud and clear. So the feeling is very mutual. Thank you. Yeah, um, we've had uh, 
guest writers from Australia, New Zealand, England, um, Turkey, uh, Japan. I mean, we have people from all over, so it's really cool. It, it, it's, it's interesting when I when I interview people because um, when it's international, I have to do Skype because our time zones are so different, and uh, it's like. You, it's like you're, you you gain a friend every time you talk to someone like that. It's really really cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I just I just did a um, a because we have the writers of the future podcast, and so I just did an interview with our Iran winner. I was <clears throat> they use uh, WhatsApp, so I did a WhatsApp um, recorded interview with him, and uh, out of Tehran, Iran, and that was very interesting because we're not able to bring him in here for the award ceremony, so. We did an interview, and then he's doing a video that we're going to be playing on the um, screen during the event. But no, it's it's amazing as the technology enables us to to really, you know, connect with everywhere on the planet. Are you going to mail him the award? Yeah, yeah, you'll get it. It'll be sent to him, and he's. I mean, obviously, he wants to be here, and he's very excited about it, <clears throat> having won. And we've actually gotten. We just got a third piece of uh, print media on him today. So he's in, in Iran with the uh, independent publications. So uh, we, we endeavor to get media for all of our winners, no matter where they are. So this, this has been good. And he's, he's very uh, excited to, to be able to, to grow his art. And it's, it's interesting because the, when you see the book, Writings of the Future, Volume 36, you'll see his, his art is obviously very different than other art because it's he's he's a brilliant artist, but the Middle Eastern art has a different look to it than um, Oriental art, than um, Asian art. I mean, than than uh, European art. So it's 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 um, it's interesting to see. But the judges select just on the quality of the art, not the name or their age or their nationality. I just straight are these good artists. So it was great seeing something from Turkey, which is a different view, different look than when we had, last year we had three or four winners from um, from China and one from Korea. So it's just, you know, just, it's interesting how the, the contest enables anybody who submits to have an, an opportunity to win because there's no preconceived idea. The judges don't see any names or anything. They just see the art. It's interesting because the history um, of Iran is like, you know, with Persia, with the great mosaics, and then the Arab conquest with the um, different kinds of stencil uh, work they did. Um, it, it must be really uh, diverse for you to figure out how to do that, you know, and for him how to do it. Yeah, you know, it's just really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. It's just it's also interesting the different use of colors they've got over there. We've had winners from Mexico and from South America. We've had winners from, like I said, from um, – Spain and Portugal, and it's all different use of colors that are like, you know, that their their country's heritage has, and it's just interesting how um, they've grown, and like you said, it's probably an amalgam of, you know, as, as, as cultures take over other cultures and it continues to grow and, and evolve, you have various, the history comes forward in the art itself and in the use of color and um, the various elements, you know, the various lines and angles and... Um, Circles, squares, triangles—it's just different in, in different areas, and it's just interesting how it comes together. And you see such a diversity, and 
in the art that gets published in the writers of the future just because we have everybody with what they're bringing. I think that one of the things that's really good about like contests like yours and other things that bring cultures together is it shows we're one planet, we're all together. It, 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 it really doesn't matter where you're brought up. We all have the same wants, needs, desires. And um, I think that's one of the important things about international contests like this. I agree, and it's it's an interesting thing you bring up there, too, because <clears throat> writers of the future and illustrators of the future are not political in nature. And unfortunately, you know, some people try to get into to politics or trying to get into um, different, you know, um, pushing their cause. And as it was originally set up by Ellen Hubbard back in 84, it's just to provide a, a forum for the aspiring artist for a chance for their creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. So like what you see right now happening with uh, Mesa Mataka, our, our winner from uh, Tehran, Iran. We can't get him over here because of diplomatic relations. However, right. he won the contest because he's a brilliant artist. And right. so that's how we'll do it. And so I'll never take a political stance and hold it, <clears throat> and hold it or try to press one particular perspective over another it's we're we're an equal opportunity contest you know so anybody has an is the same um opportunity of winning as anybody else provided they're really good i mean that's that's the secret to the contest you just have to be really really good it doesn't matter if you're male female whatever sexual persuasion what nationality age anything that is that's totally secondary to the fact of are you good or are you not good and that's why we always recommend people also check with the, the, the volumes as they come out because you can see what are, what's being looked for, what, what type of quality you have to have art-wise in order to be able to, you know, to win the contest and what type of quality of storytelling do you have to, to tell. And that's another thing, too, is it's, all the judging is only done by the judges. Um, the contest administration has absolutely no say whatsoever in the judging process. <clears throat> so... You know, we have a we try to make a really good diversity on on the judges, and so um, in doing so, it's up to the you know whatever the judges decide is is what turns out to be the the stories that get published that we that we pick. But now because the contest is so big, people can say that they've been a finalist in the contest, and their work will be taken out of slush piles. It's it's that well known because that's if you're a finalist, that means you're in, in like the top ten percent. So. It's um it's proven really good, and you're right for the diversity and uh, showing that the whole planet is 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 a one community. We're not disparate states that are vying for you know supremacy. It's just we're trying to um, provide something for all art and for all creative, at least speculative fiction writing uh, globally. It is English, but still we have I think we had five or six. Um, English second language winners so far over the years. So, and we have that's our rising teacher for what's that? that I, I think that's very interesting because um, I, I actually was uh, helping with putting together a fan fiction thing where people from all over the world and people who have secondary language of English. They're actually their stories are more interesting sometimes because of their perspective that the stories for people who are 
first language is English. It's just it's it's totally different. It's sort of the juxtaposition of what you might think it might be. It's really uh-huh. cool. I don't know it if is, that's what it, you think. No, we've definitely observed I, that too. Yeah, I've definitely observed that as well in your. <clears throat> So we've only had maybe half a dozen English second language, but it's um, you know some of them have gone quite well. Elliot de Bard, uh, de Bodard, um is French, and she was a winner several years ago. Uh, we've had winners from Mexico, from um, um, Scandinavia. So it's we had a few there from Scandinavia. So it is because it's they've got their own history of science fiction and fantasy in their countries, and so when they bring that here. It's a whole. You're right. It's it's a different perspective that you wouldn't that you don't used to see here in the United States. So when you see it, like wow, that's fascinating. So the main barrier, obviously, for them is is getting good enough with their English so that it communicates on the level of people who English is their uh, primary language. But we have the Rise of the Future forum where there's always people willing to help the uh, English second language people with their with their story and their grammar. So it's, if somebody wants to, they can absolutely do that and get help from other people aspiring as well that's connected with the Rise of the Future contest. I think it's really cool. I, I, loved, I love reading. I love diversity. I love everything from different cultures. I mean, I, my, I studied archaeology, so that's my thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's I think that's definitely really opens cool. that door, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, my father encouraged history for us. And so when I got into college, I took it the next step. And the the beginnings of uh, peoples and how cultures are built on top of cultures and and, um, cities are built on top of cities. People don't realize we are not only one planet, we have built culture on top of culture on top of culture. We're a mixed bag. For sure. <laughs> it <matter> from. <laughs> Most assuredly a mixed bag. Very interesting. And it's, and it's the arts and even science fiction and fantasy because <clears throat> that was a, a genre. That, I mean, obviously the, the contest is um, was originally sponsored by Ellen Hubbard and um, he put in his will to continue funding the, the contest after his passing in 1986. So it's still, it's still funded, and so the contest is free to enter, and the, all the winners are flown out by the contest. They stay in a nice hotel here in Hollywood. We have the big award ceremony that anybody can see on, on the uh, website. All the judges, they're, they're flown out to be able to present. So it's all funded by, by Mr. Hubbard. But the, uh, the whole thing with with this competition is to provide for the uh, science fiction and fantasy specifically because it it tends to postulate a future for society. And so you get these different views that are that are taken and it's it's interesting how usually with Rise of the Future it's about ten years ahead of the science fiction and fantasy curve. You know, mm-hmm. so you've got like Brandon Sanderson's major, but he was a he was a finalist years ago. Um and so his is a big thing. Um, you know, several other big name authors right now. Nedia Corfor was a was a finalist several years ago. She's now doing the Shuri, and she's now a judge as well. Pat Rothfuss um, 
was a winner, you know, back in I think 11, 12 years ago, and he's now name of the wind. So it, it's it's provided a launching pad for for many writers and artists that are now leading the way with their sense of science fiction fantasy and whether it's uh, the writing or the art. But like I said, that was about 10 years ahead of the curve. What they're doing right now is what they were entering into the mainstream of, of science fiction fantasy. So that's why you've got like, pieces like Publishers Weekly says this is always a, a view of what's to come because it's, this, this really is the best of the best. So, you know, and so because of the mixture that, you know, it continues even more what you're talking about with, you know, with the history of, of cities, how they grow on top of each other right now with, you know, 12 winners from all over the world mixing together, it creates with this Writers of Future volume that comes out each year a new sense of science fiction and fantasy that um, people can look forward to. And it's, it's always got something good for everybody, but it, lets, it tends to push a new future for science fiction and fantasy. I understand that. I think that's really cool. But this, another thing that I, you made me think of when you were saying that is, you know in the days when in the 40s and the 50s, science fiction and mysteries were like second-class citizens in the world yeah. of literature? And yeah, now they're both like these powerhouse things. People are dying to make movies of them and stuff, and they, weren't, they wouldn't touch them with a... Even when it was a big author for both, like like um, Avon Vogt or or Ray Bradbury or, or Astonoff, uh, Asimov, right? Asimov, uh, yeah. Or Mysteries, Agatha Christie, and Dorothy Sayers. They wouldn't touch it with ten foot pole. And and um, then, but when they started making multi million dollars in books, they started, and I think that sort of brought it in the sixties and the seventies to the forefront, which is bringing it to the point that Mr. Hubbard came in and stuff with the, with his magazine. Yeah, well, back in the early 80s, you had like Dune and, and Battle for the Earth were two specific I'm familiar with. Um, there were some of the first New York Times bestsellers. There were like uh, the books would sell, but it sell within within its niche, and it, it never broke into mainstream with New York Times bestseller status. So it only started happening then, and it it took a lot of like chiseling away until it finally broke free and became its its own you know its own genre. In with respect to the publishing world, because you're right, in, in movies you had 2001: Space Odyssey. It was like, wow, what's this? And um, when Star Trek happened, it first of all as a TV series, and then came into the into the um, movies. Star Wars, that was like broke into it. But when it when it broke in, it be, those became. And now we still have like seven of the top ten grossing movies in any given year are science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. I mean, I think. My father said, because he was a science fiction fan from the time he was a little boy, um, uh-huh. he said that his favorite movie of all time up until modern science fiction movies was The Day the Earth Stood Still. He says the, the special effects were kind of corny, and, and the, but he goes, the, the center of the story was real science fiction. It was the first time he ever saw what he had been reading in the pulp 
on the screen. And it's yeah. like, that was such an important film. People don't even remember it now, which is sort of sad to me. But it's like, yeah, that was in really? 1951 that it first yeah. came out, yeah. And people don't even know about it. I mean, you say, what's the first really good science fiction movie that's real has was really based on science fiction? And they're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's true. That's it. You know, it, it definitely set the uh, the trend. I mean, some of those early science fiction movies. Were def and TV shows were definitely hokey, but at the time, it, it's interesting too how imagination played a big role back then. And now, mm-hmm. because of CGI and uh, heavy-duty um, computers that can go into movies now, there's not a whole lot left to imagination, and that's why you know some of those movies were so um, groundbreaking because it just it just totally sparked amazing imagination reactions to the viewers you know having a um a sparkler at the end of a spaceship on on a little fish line going across a a wire to show a spaceship going across space is pretty hokey but man what it did for your imagination was was uh, mm-hmm. second to none you know so and that's possibly why audiobooks are doing so well right now too because people can listen but their imaginations can fill in their own video track well, that's how I've always been with books. You know, I, 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 my mind is always like much more wide. I, I love watching movies. I love movies. And I love TV shows, but it can't match my imagination when I've read a book. That's why I, I like to see the <clears throat> movie first and then read the book because it really ruins it if I do it the other way around. <laughs> yeah, no, it can really mess it up bad. You can kind of you go into it in the book. Movie is is so rarely ever what the book was that if you go the other way around, you're just, you're, it's, it's spoiled, you know. So I totally agree with you on that. There's uh, an example I have is, did you ever uh, see the movie The Time Machine with Rod Taylor from like yeah. 61 or 62? It's one of my favorite uh-huh. movies. Um, and one of my friends explained to me, he's a movie producer, he explained to me how the sets were actually from other movies and all this stuff. It was really cool. But what really is interesting is whatever they did to create that movie, even though I was 13 years old and I wasn't stupid, I believed it fully. Yeah. It, I was there. It, I mean, I was a modern teenage girl. And I believed it, and it was an old movie to me. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's just you know, you look at like the the old movie poster there, the time machine. Just it is. I mean, that was the technology then, but just you know, I mean, and also in that time period in the early fifties, TV was brand new, so the whole idea of visual images being broadcast was a whole new concept. So seeing this stuff, we were already used to heavy-duty imagination at that time period because up to prior to that point, you had radio. You didn't have movies. So you're already imagining this stuff. So it was so easy to carry forward your own imaginations of what of these things and just you might see old stick man, but boy, I see this big monster coming down the way and here comes the hero to save the girl or the girl to save the hero depending upon 
you know, how you want to view it. <clears throat> and it's um, the imagination is, is a big thing in that, and it was absolutely real and plausible to me, just like what you're saying there. And, of course, it helps to have, like, Yvette Mineo and Robert Taylor because they're brilliant actors. <laughs> for sure, and for sure. Yeah, I mean, because they sell it, you know, because they're such, they were such good actors. They really sell yeah. it to you. You know, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, because I, I, I watched the remake of Time Machine, and they did a little nod to the original and everything, but uh, it just didn't have the magic of the first one. And I don't know if that's because I really love the first one, but there was something special about that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, that's for sure. But quite possibly, if you were, to, if you were now – younger and see the, the new time machine as your first run of the time machine and then go back and see the original one, it might not be as, as glorious because now you've already, you've got your new first concept of the time machine based upon the 1980 version as compared to the 1951 version. Mm-hmm. No, oh yeah. 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 And I understand that. I just, that's yeah. my, my way of looking at it. Of sure. course I also developed a major crush on Rod Taylor that helped. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's entirely secondary. Entirely. Yes, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, and he is funny because I heard, I saw an interview toward the end of his life, and he says, "I don't know why I was, I was too short. I wasn't handsome enough. I don't know why I was playing all these hero parts." And I'm like, "Are you out of your mind?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, it's um. Anyway, so what basically what we're talking about is imagination and talent and creativity is what makes books, movies, TV shows worth watching. And mm-hmm. the projection of the future is what science fiction is all about. <laughs> exactly right. It's exactly right. And it's um, it's interesting too because um, I think I sent you it's definitely all over our, our website, but the new artwork for um, Rising Future Volume 36 has this beautiful dark-skinned princess um, who's actually a priestess in a temple. And I mean, the story, because Echo Trinic, who's our coordinating judge, painted it. And she had a thing she was trying to communicate. Have you seen the artwork? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yes. And so it says, and so she wrote a little thing like, this is what I'm trying to convey and Jody Lynn Nye, who's one of our writer judges, actually uh, wrote a short story based upon that cover art that's being published also in the book. But she says, Echo says, floating around her, the, the priestess, is a shell of the egg as well as a second unhatched egg. Two statues of armed men flank her, their shields raised to block their eyes from the priestess's glory. write a story prompted as a loose and open for you, said the author, to take and create something great from it. And... Her whole thing on it is that the the thing with the um, the egg and this whole thing is that it signals a great change, you know, potential great change, and that's what she views the writers and illustrators because there's two eggs there. They both have the potential of creating a great change for the future, and so she wanted to be able to, to do that graphically with you know her imagery on it. So we're very excited. We have a um, our opening number is going to be um, an amazing vocalist, um, Mikhail Henderson from Jamaica, who's um, just a beautiful voice. She's going to come out 
we're getting the, those wings that are in the cover, uh, they're being made. So she'll have those, and we'll have um, um, her singing a, just a beautiful song that she's put together uh, for the opening of this. And she plays a flute as well, because she was originally jazz, and she went to Calypso. So her voice is, is amazing, and just it's going to be a great opening of the uh, event on the 3rd of April. So we're very excited about that. Cool. Cool. And um, can, is the public invited, and do, where would they buy tickets? Okay, well, the, the, people can write, um, they can write to Joni Labaki, who's uh, in charge of reservations. That's Joni L. at authorservicesinc.com. Um, it's limited seating. Um, we only can hold, I think, about 400 people in there, so it's 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 very tight. But we have our winners from and the judges, so it's it's it is being broadcast live as it happens, and you'll be able to get that from um, at risetofuture.com. We'll have it live as it happens on the the third of of April, and you can see that we have a countdown going on the website, and then we'll have it up a you know very short few hours later so that we'll be able to uh, people can actually see then the rear of it on uh, later on the fourth but um, if somebody wants to go in there you know they feel like oh, I really want to go see this they can write to Joni, Joni Labaki who's a contest administrator and that's Joni L at authorservicesinc.com and could you give your website at um, the website address sure it's uh, writersofthefuture.com and on there, you can um, listen to. We have uh, I have a weekly podcast where I interview um, most of our judges and many uh, winners. And so every week there's a new podcast that goes up. We have a blog which has a lot of uh, current information and tips, advice on uh, on writing, all the aspects of writing and art. And then we have the forum, as I was mentioning earlier, where people can join and, and work with other aspiring writers uh, and artists to be able to. Um, um, you know, go through the learning process and, and get help and tips and just work their way up with others. And it, people tend to like, even if they don't make it and somebody else in the group makes it, everybody takes a big win on that because it's just another person uh, breaking out into the, uh, in the world of professional publishing. So it's writersofthefuture.com. And when is the next contest and how would somebody be able to apply? Well, the... Uh, the contest runs every three months. So the, uh, we're right now in the second quarter of year 37, and it's going to be over the end of March. So it's October through December, January through to March, uh, April through July, and then um, oh, April through June, July through um, the end of August. So, um, sorry, in July through the end of September. It's posted on the website. But it's every three months that a person can uh, submit to the contest. The uh, entry rules are there on the website. The, um, there's no entry fee. You just um, sign up there and you, can, you upload. And from there, the, your work, whether it's a story or your art, gets assigned a number, and that's what gets forwarded to the, uh, the judges for them to vote. And it tells you how you do the whole thing on that. But um, you go there, and every quarter then we have three winners chosen from the writers and three winners from the illustrators. And then at the end of the year, which is the end of September, then the 12 writers and the 12 illustrators are put together in the next volume that comes out as Writers of the Future. 
Um, and of course, everybody that wins gets a gets a a prize for winning. And then when you get published, you get a separate royalty check. And then the grand prize writer and the grand prize illustrator winner each get five thousand dollars at the award ceremony. That's exciting. That's really cool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Definitely. I've seen. I haven't been, but I've seen it. It looks like the Oscars. Um. <laughs> yeah. No. They'll come there and on our on the. We have the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, and so we we post frequently, you know, the uh, all the media that's coming on these guys. But then, at the award ceremony itself, we'll probably have about 30 different media will be there to uh, cover the winners because we have the international media that comes to cover their respective uh, country winners. So it's it's very very good, and you're right, it is like the Oscars because it's a black tie event, and it's um it's an amazing stage, an amazing uh, production that gets gets done the judges it's one of their favorite events to come to because it is like the Oscars of the um, science fiction fantasy community um, yeah, yeah, what just one last point to the other what's that what theater is it going to be at it's, it's um, going to be um, in Hollywood here that's called the Taglian Complex it's a beautiful venue it's where we were last year so if you go to the website you can see last year's uh, it's that same venue again but the thing too that that makes it really good for that that the judges all um, are so um, supportive of this program is because it is blind judging and because it's free to enter, anybody can enter and it's only based upon their skill level, their talent, and how good the story is or the art is that they win. So there's no like this is the daughter or the son or the wife or the husband of it's straight. You know, this is what it is. We've had people in their 60s that have won the contest, and we've had, um, at least on the art contest, we've had um, people at the end of, of high school who have won. So there's no consideration of age or anything. It's just strictly how good are you. That's really cool. That's, like, yeah. really cool. There's many things like that in the world that's based purely on talent. Yeah. Yeah, just, just, you just don't find that. Because so many, when you have the contest, too, they're, they're to a degree, they need to sell the entries in order to pay for the publication of the book. Well, our book becomes a, a national bestseller. It's one of the best-selling um, anthologies out there on science fiction and fantasy. Irrespective, you know, the, there's, you don't pay for the book by getting people into the contest. There's, that's not part of it. So that helps a whole lot, too, that people can just enter the contest and not have to pay whatever the, the going rate of entry fees in various competitions um, exists out there right now. Um, we're coming to the end. Um, could you give your um, social media, John, so if people want to say sure. hi or ask a question, they can. Sure. So on, on the uh, Facebook, it's, um, it, well, it's all underwriters of the future, but it's um, at WOTF contest. So that's for Writers of the Future, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you follow the pages, we have lots of great stuff that goes up. We try to post frequently, and we have a lot of good news from past winners. Um, I'll post the, as when, the, when, when I run the podcast. I, I post those. I share the blogs when those come up. Um, there's always good news happening from past winners that I'll share. They'll send it to me, and I'll post it on the uh, timeline for Facebook and on Twitter. And on Instagram, we just had a whole bunch go up the last couple of days because there's been so much media on our new winners. But it's at WOTF contest. 
So that's for Writers of Success, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, um, I want to thank you for coming on. I hope that you enjoyed it. <laughs> you, I you did. did. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep on supporting you for a long time to come, honey. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you really, what you do is so helpful. I mean, you're just right there for me, and I really appreciate it. Well, absolutely. I love that. I love being able to help. Thank you. Um, thank you for coming on. I know you're busy, and I really appreciate it. Sure. Have a great day. You too. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank <laughs> you.